So we're defining God's favor in this way. God's favor is his presence, provision, and power to accomplish his purposes. God's favor is his presence, provision, and power to accomplish his purposes. It will help you and I to understand what God's favor is by looking at what God's favor is not. Last week, we separated God's favor from favors with an S, like party favors from heaven. Last week, we, we said that uh, what we're not talking about are party favors from heaven. Party favors from heaven would be a thought process like ask God for cash, clothes, and car, cars for our pleasure. That's not what we're talking about. There may be some places out there that preach a message like that. That's not what we're about. God's favor is not party favors from heaven for our pleasure. God's favor is his presence, provision, and power to accomplish whose purposes? His purposes. So we may say, I want God's favor. I say that. God, I want your favor. I want to be part, Heavenly Father, of accomplishing your purposes. Who would not want God's presence, his provision, and his power on their side? Who wouldn't want that? The person who is even exploring a faith journey tonight, thinking about what it might mean for them to be a Christ follower, they may even say, I'm not even sure about God. I'm not even sure if he's real. But if he is real, then I want him on my side. Here's what we're going to wrestle with tonight. Here's what we're going to wrestle with. We may think, or we may want to think, walking in God's favor, walking in God's favor equals easier life. Hmm. Walking in God's favor equals easier life. But here's the question. Here's the question. What if walking in God's favor does not equal easier life? What if walking in God's favor does not equal easier life? What if walking in God's favor actually means we'll face greater challenges? What if God's favor even guarantees that we would face greater challenges? So walking in God's favor over time, we're talking about being consistent in our worship, reading his word, praying. As your relationship grows with your heavenly father, you experience an increase of his favor in your life who has God's favor, every person who is a follower of Christ has a measure of God's favor. And it's something that grows and increases as we grow in our relationship with God. You have what you did not have before. Walking in God's favor, you either have it for the first time as a new believer, or you've been a believer for a, a season of months, weeks, months, month, weeks, months, years, or even decades, and as you continue in relationship, as you continue to grow deeper with your heavenly father, you've experienced increased measure. You should have an increased measure of God's favor this year compared to last year. You have what you didn't have before. So now you're ready to face what you couldn't face before. Psalm 30, verse five. For God's anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. God's favor is for a lifetime. If we look over a lifetime, there'll be moment, there will be moments that you and I, we would look at the timeline of our life and we would pluck out this moment or that moment, and we would say, that moment, it didn't really feel like God was with me. 
It, felt, it was a hard moment. It was a difficult time. Just because we go through a difficult time, it doesn't mean that God's not with us. There will be times of gift difficulty, guaranteed. There will be stress. There will be sadness, even, as the psalmist says, to the point of weeping. Challenging. But those are for a moment. God's favor is for a lifetime. Let's look about the story of Joseph. If you've been around church for a while, this is a story you grew up learning, the story of Joseph. If, if the story of Joseph, real story about a real man, if it's new to you, that's okay too. What we're going to see tonight is Joseph experienced temporary trials in a lifetime of God's favor. Joseph experienced temporary trials in a lifetime of God's favor. Think of Joseph. Hopefully the story's beginning to come back to you. Uh, my first experience with the story of Joseph was when my parents took me to see a high school production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Love that show. Songs are great. Great portrayal of, and it's very, 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 very close to the biblical narrative of Joseph. I remember having to take a uh, test when I was in seminary school on, on uh, the life of Joseph, and it was all coming back to me through the musical. And studying. Mostly the musical. This man, Joseph, he went from low birth order in Canaan, which was very important then, where you were in birth order. Joseph went from low birth order in Canaan to second in command in Egypt. Joseph rises from low birth order to be one of the most influential, politically powerful people in a foreign country. Think about even today, the second most politically powerful person who we have in our, our government, would you might say the vice president, or maybe it would be the Senate majority leader or the House majority leader, whoever that may be. Imagine if that person were a foreign-born person. It is highly unlikely. And I'm not sure about all the rules, but I know you can't be foreign-born and be the president. Some countries would have parameters that would make it illegal. But in this case, Joseph becomes the second most powerful person in Egypt, and he's a foreigner. In the historical narrative of Joseph's life, we see the phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. Not one time, not two times, three times. Three times we see the phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. If you know the story of Joseph, you would say, this is a man who had God's favor on his life. But to tell the story of Joseph, you have to point out, Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. Joseph was falsely accused and imprisoned for sexual assault, an assault he did not commit. Joseph was forgotten in prison by a man who was supposed to use his influence for Joseph's release. Joseph was charged with leading a nation through an extreme famine. We might say this pandemic we've been in, it feels like it's been a long time. It's been more than a year. Do you know how long the famine was that Joseph presided over? Seven years. Seven years of extreme famine. A man sold into slavery by his own brothers? That may not sound like God's favor. A man falsely accused and imprisoned for sexual assault? That may not sound like God's favor. Let's take, a this. Let, let's take a look at this. Joseph's brothers are jealous because he is the youngest, and he tells them one day, I've seen it in my dreams, Joseph says, one day, brothers, you are going to bow down to me. I want you to imagine if you have younger siblings... 
a lot of younger siblings and the second to the youngest comes to you and says, you know what, one day you are going to bow down to me. I've seen it in my dreams. Imagine how well that would have gone over in your household. It went over about as well in this household. Did not go over well. Before we see that Joseph had the favor of God, Joseph had the favor of his father, his earthly father. Joseph's father gave him what? An expensive robe or an expensive coat from the musical, The Amazing Technicolor Dream Coat. The brothers, they reach a point where they can't take it anymore. Out in the fields, they capture Joseph. And at first, these loving brothers, they love their brothers so much, they decide we're going to leave him in a pit to die. Then what happens? They see a caravan of traders coming their way, and they, they say, well, he is our brother. He, maybe it would be more humane if instead of leaving him to die in this pit, we were just to sell him to slavery uh, in a foreign country. So the brothers sell Joseph into slavery, then they kill a goat, they tear up Joseph's coat, they dip it in goat's blood, they give the bloody coat to Joseph's dad, Jacob. Jacob reaches the conclusion that because he's now seen the bloody torn up coat, that Joseph must have been attacked by a wild animal. And at that moment, Jacob vows that he's going to live the rest of his life in mourning for his beloved son. Meantime, in Egypt, a high-ranking military officer named Potiphar purchases Joseph as a slave from these Ishmaelite traders. So Joseph begins this time in his life as a slave. Genesis 39, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. As he begins his time as a slave, we see this phrase. The Lord was with Joseph. Maybe you would say you feel like you're at the beginning of a trial right now. You're at the beginning of a difficult season, and this is what you need to hear. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. The Lord was with Joseph. That's God's favor. And Joseph becomes successful. Joseph's commitment to God and God's favor is obvious. Verse 3. His master saw the Lord was with him, with Joseph. And that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Wow. We're off to a great start in Potiphar's house. It's obvious to Potiphar that God is with Joseph. It's obvious to those around Joseph that he is in relationship with his heavenly father. So here's the question. Is it obvious to those who are around us that we are in relationship with God? Is it obvious to those around us? Can others say of us, it's obvious the way that you live your life, that you're doing things God's way. And as a result, it's obvious that God's presence, his power, and his provision are with you. Potiphar sees that God is with Joseph. Everything that Joseph does is successful. Verse 4, so Joseph found favor in his sight. That's Joseph finding favor in Potiphar's sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. As a result of favor from God, Joseph has favor with his master, and God is with Joseph giving tangible success, and now Joseph gets a promotion. He gets put in charge of everything in the whole house, verse 5. From the time that he made him overseer in his house, that's Potiphar making Joseph overseer, 
From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all he had in house and field. Because of Joseph, God's blessing falls not just on Joseph, but the whole house. Everything that Potiphar has. Potiphar is happy. The rest of the house is happy. The crops are flourishing. The livestock is fat and happy. They're having babies. It's great. Great time to be in Potiphar's house. Potiphar trusts Joseph with everything. Joseph is taking care of it all. The trust level is so high that Potiphar isn't worried about anything that is now under Joseph's leadership. In fact, the only thing that Potiphar has to think about is what he's going to eat. <laughs> Chicken? Steak? Lobster tonight? What's it going to be? That was, the, that was all that Potiphar had to worry about. Life is good. Verse 6, so Potiphar left all he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now, how about this? Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Well, now Joseph is starting to sound a little bit like the guy that everyone hated in high school. Everything he touches is successful. The boss loves him. He gets promoted. He's running the show. All of his jokes are funny. All of his ideas are great. And, by the way, Joseph is handsome in form and appearance. In form, he's got the chest, he's got the biceps, he's got the abs. In appearance, the ladies love to look at him. I mean, who is this guy? Seriously. Is that God's favor? I want some of that. Well, now we get into trouble. Verse 7, and after a time, his master, this is Potiphar again, after a time, Potiphar's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. Uh-oh. Mrs. Potiphar starts looking at Joseph a little more than she should, and she decides, I want some of that. Well, Joseph refuses. Joseph tells Mrs. Potiphar, your husband trusts me. He's held nothing back from me. Joseph says to Mrs. Potiphar, if I were to do what you want me to do, it would be wicked to your husband and it would be a sin against God. Now, this is a side note. Every time I have seen this depicted on the stage or in a movie, this story of Joseph, and when it gets to the Mrs. Potiphar part, Mrs. Potiphar is always portrayed as an incredibly beautiful woman. It doesn't say that in God's word, as far as I can tell. What if Mrs. Potiphar was ugly? Maybe it was easier for Joseph than we think to resist. Just... We know Joseph was good looking. Bible doesn't say anything about Mrs. Potiphar. Day after day, G Joseph refuses. He avoids. He doesn't listen. Then verses 11 and 12. But one day, when he, Joseph, went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by the garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand as he fled out of the house. Mrs. Potiphar yells for help. She's holding the garment, whatever the garment is. 
and accuses Joseph of sexual assault. Mrs. Potiphar screams. She said, I screamed, and as I screamed, he ran. Then her husband comes home, and Mr. Potiphar hears Mrs. Potiphar's made-up story. Skip down to verse 19. As soon as his master, so this is as soon as Joseph's master Potiphar heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And we might say, where is God's favor in this moment? Verse 20, and Joseph's master took him, took Joseph and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. All the success in a flash, all the success comes crashing down. All the influence abruptly comes to an end. Everyone in the house who had previously rallied around Joseph, wanted to hear him talk, wanted to be around him, now they want nothing to do with him. They don't want to be the guy or the girl associated with Joseph. They're not gonna stand up to the guy who's been accused of making advances on the boss's wife. And Joseph is in prison. Remember Psalm 30, verse five. For God's anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Trial is for a moment. Favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for a time, but joy is on the way. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. Remember how the season in prison, I'm sorry, the season in slavery began with the phrase, God was with Joseph. The season of slavery began with the phrase, God was with Joseph. Now the season of prison begins with the exact same phrase. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So as Joseph has favor with his heavenly father, he has favor with all these people along his life journey. He had favor with his earthly father. He had favor with Mr. Potiphar. And now if you were to read the rest of this section of the story, you would see that he has favor with the prison keeper, with the warden, we might say. And then if you know the rest of the story, you see that Joseph is going to have favor with Pharaoh. This is a difficult season. This is the setup for another difficult season. Joseph, we know, is going to be in prison for years. Joseph will be in prison for years for a crime he did not commit. God grants his favor to help us endure difficult seasons. God grants us his favor to help us endure difficult seasons. In this moment for Joseph, and perhaps in the moment that you're facing in your life right now, it may not appear like God's favor. But we know the rest of the story with Joseph. In prison, Joseph interprets the dreams of two of the Egyptian Pharaoh's servants. One is restored to his position. The other guy doesn't get quite the same good report and he's executed. Joseph had accurately predicted or forecasted both of those events through the interpretation of dreams. The servant, Pharaoh's servant who survives, is supposed to go to Pharaoh and tell him all about Joseph, but the servant who's restored forgets about Joseph. Okay, husbands, 
Sometimes we get in trouble because we forget. Maybe it's sometimes I get in trouble because I forget. The servant who survived got in trouble with Joseph anyway because he forgot. Husbands, sometimes we get in trouble because we forget things. The cupbearer who was restored, he forgot for two years. But we know that it was God's timing. We know that he forgot and Joseph was remembered at just the right time. So wives, maybe. Maybe God actually causes us to forget for the purpose of his perfect timing. Joseph is sitting in prison thinking, God, did I hear you wrong? Those dreams that were so clear when I was with my brothers and I, I, God, I heard from you so clearly that someday I would reign over numbers of people, including my own family. God, did I hear you wrong? Those dreams that were so clear, even leadership over my own brothers, God, did I mishear you? Joseph may have cried out to his heavenly father, I thought that I, you were raising me up to be in a position of authority, and here I am languishing in prison with apparently no way to get out, and the one person who was supposed to get me out of here has forgotten about me. God, did I hear you incorrectly? Well, here's what we know, and many of us would say this from our own life story. God often reveals the promise before he reveals the plan. God often reveals the promise before he reveals the plan. Because we know eventually the Pharaoh did have some weird dreams and no one could interpret them. And then the, the cupbearer, the servant who was spared, he re suddenly remembers God's timing. He remembers, he forgot for all that time, then he remembers, Pharaoh, I've got a guy. I've got a guy. Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Joseph interprets the dreams, and the dreams are this. There's going to be seven years of plenty in Egypt. There is going to be so much flourishing in your fields. What you need to do during that time is you need to gather the crops, because after the seven years of plenty, there are going to be seven years of famine. Pharaoh is so grateful, he is so impressed, that he puts Joseph in charge of stockpiling and storing during the season of plenty. Then during the famine years, the desperate brothers, they travel from Canaan to Egypt and they fall at their brother's feet. Joseph's vision that was from God finally came to pass. God often reveals the promise before he reveals the plan. Sold into slavery by your brothers, falsely accused and imprisoned for many years for a sexual assault that was never committed, being forgotten by the guy who's supposed to get you out of prison. In a lifetime of favor, there will be seasons of difficulty, even seasons of weeping. God's favor equips you to overcome challenges that would have previously destroyed you. God's favor equips you to overcome challenges that would have previously destroyed you. And some of you would say that you have lived this. You will say that there were ways that your life did not get easier after your decision to follow Christ. 
you face the greatest relationship, career, financial, medical challenge in your life after your decision to follow Christ. Maybe in that moment, or maybe in the moment you're facing now, you thought, I, I thought life was supposed to get easier when I became a Christian. Here's what we also know. Many of you would say it is your story that you have overcome challenges with Christ that would have destroyed you before you began to follow him. Or you have overcome challenges as a mature Christian that would have destroyed you early in your relationship with your heavenly father. As you have seen increased God's favor in your life. You know that there is a time in your life that if you face the same obstacles, you would have been defeated and depleted. But you are amazed because God saw you through those obstacles. And what's the difference? You are operating with assets that you did not have before. You have God's favor. Now you face those challenges that would have previously defeated or depleted you. Now you face those challenges with God's provision, God's presence, and God's power. And you may even be at a season where you have the privilege of seeing the long-range picture of how God used what surely, surely fell, felt like a defeat in the moment, but was actually brought through to be a victory. It proved to be the launching pad for his purposes to be accomplished through you. This concept that because you have God's favor, you have what you didn't have before. We were having uh, lunch today with, with Jeff Dove, and he's brave enough to have lunch with my whole family. Uh, we have a nine-year-old, seven-year-old, four-year-old, and one-year-old. So every time, anytime you gather with us, it's an event. Uh, Jeff, thank you for coming to lunch with my family. And we're talking about, Jeff was asking me what we were going to preach about tonight. And we're talking about this concept of when are these moments in life where you're able to face what you couldn't face before because you have what you didn't have before? And I have this uh, picture of being on the, the Oregon coast and someone told me that everyone in Oregon, if you've lived here long enough, you have the story about the one day that it was really hot on the beach, right? That you could swim. Everyone has the story of the one day. So you think about being out on the coast and uh, if you just have your swim trunks on and you can swim out for a little while, you can go out, you swim, you know, off the, the shoreline there, off the beach. But there comes a point where you can't go much farther. Now think if you were to be in full-on deep diving gear. You have the mask, you have the fins, you have the wetsuit, you have the oxygen tank, you have the dive watch, you have all the gear. Well now, you can do in the water what you couldn't do before. Because you have equipment, you are equipped in a way that you were not previously equipped. Now you can do what you could not do under your own strength, even if you wanted to. So it would be impossible, we would say, for you to go out into the depths with nothing but your swim trunks on and go into the deep depths of the water. But because you now have deep diving equipment, you can go to depths that you couldn't go before. 
Challenging? Yes, of course. But when you have all that gear on, you can see things that you couldn't see before. You can experience things that you would not otherwise see. And in many ways, this is like walking in God's favor. With God's favor, he will take you to places that he otherwise wouldn't take you, for your own protection even, perhaps. He will take you to depths that he would not otherwise be able to take you. And your loving Heavenly Father may see in your life this obstacle before you were my follower or even early in your relationship with me. You would not be ready for this. But now as you've grown in your measure of God's favor, he's ready to use you in greater ways. And we might think, well, it may just be easier to stay back here on the, on the sand and just look out there and just exist in the swim trunks, spiritual swim trunks. But think of all that you'd be missing. Think of all that could be gained if you grow in increased favor with God, equipping you to do what you could not imagine doing before. And I know for many of you, this is part of your story. You have done things as a follower of Christ, walking in his favor. And there are people that if you knew 10 years ago, 20 years ago, if they knew what you're doing now, they would say, wow. And you would say, how did this possibly occur in your life? God's favor. God's favor. You have it. As a follower of, of Christ, you have it. May we be a people who desire to increase our measure of God's favor. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ tonight, and we're thankful for the favor that you have poured out upon our lives. We're thankful, Father, that you desire to walk with us, and Father, that you even would love us so much that following the death and resurrection of Christ, that you would send your Holy Spirit to dwell in each one of us. What favor is that? That the Spirit, the perfect Spirit of the living God would dwell in imperfect people. Wow. Father, you know the one who's here tonight who would say that they're in one of those seasons that's a trial season. It's a weeping season. Father, I believe that for them tonight, what you wanted to remind them is that there may be weeping for a moment or for a season, but joy is on the way. God's favor, your favor, Father, is for a lifetime. And Father, we're thankful as we look back on the own, our own lifeline, our own timeline of life, and we'd see moments that felt so difficult in the moment, and we thought, how are we gonna get out of this? And looking back, we can see how you were using that moment, kind of like Joseph being sold into slavery or Joseph being thrown into prison for a horrible crime that he did not commit. And that you use those moments as launch pads to ultimately accomplish the purpose that you had for Joseph. That you gave Joseph 
the vision long before you gave him the plan. And we claim that today for each of our lives, that you have a plan and you have a purpose. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your favor that you so freely offer.